This podcast is brought to you by Jeff Havens, the author of Innovation Made Simple, and also Us Versus Them, redefining the multi-generational workplace to inspire your employees to love your company, drive innovation, and embrace change. In this interview with Jeff, he speaks about the fact that innovation doesn't have to be scary, and everything big starts with something small. Jeff is a renowned workshop leader and speaker on the subject of innovation, and he really does make the topic, which sometimes can be overwhelming, very simple. If you want to learn about the steps that Jeff outlines in his book, join us for podcast number 638, where we explore the creative process of innovation. If you want to learn more about Jeff Havens, you can go to www.jefffavens.com where you can watch videos and become more familiar with Jeff and his services. Please enjoy this podcast with Jeff Havens about innovation made simple. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voice and the host of Inside Personal Growth. And Michael, as I do all the time, I, I thank my listeners because as you know, you do a podcast show. Um, you've been doing years for years. I'm now going on almost 12 years of doing this and 650 podcasts. And the reality is, is that, you know, without these people that follow us, there, there would be no show. And we appreciate you for hanging in there, listening to all these great podcasts. And I have a returning author um, joining us from Massachusetts, and it's Michael Alden. And Michael has a new book out. It's a Wiley book called Blueprint to Business, an Entrepreneur's Guide uh, to Taking Action, Committing to the Grind, and Doing the Things that most people won't. And boy, is that true. What a great title. Uh, good day to you, Michael. How are you? Good day to you, sir. Thanks for having me on again. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate having you on. I mean, if you're the kind of the uh, proverbial entrepreneur, you're certainly the serial entrepreneur. Um, I just wrote a book uh, that's called Hacking the Gap, A Journey from Intuition to Innovation. And it's about entrepreneurship too, because you and I, I think are an awful lot alike. Uh, but I'm going to let my listeners know a lot about you. Um, Michael is the founder and CEO of Blue Vase Marketing, a multi-million dollar direct response company capable of creating strategic marketing roadmaps for products and services. Uh, Blue Vase has earned the prestigious ranking of the three consecutive years as in Inc. Magazine's uh, top 500 fastest growing private companies in America. Uh, Michael's latest project is Cloisonne, a multi-level marketing opportunity to bring the experience and network of Blue Vase to a new platform. Um, he also holds his Juris Doctorate from Suffolk University and a Bachelor's of Science degree in political science from Springfield College, and he's a member of the Massachusetts Bar. So on top of all this, uh, he's an attorney. So uh, Michael, you know, as you read through your book, um, you didn't have an easy upbringing. And I always like to start with you. I started this way last time, but I think your story is striking. Um, tell a little bit about your story. Um, sure. The challenges kind of growing up because entrepreneurs, if you, if, if you look at all of them that I've interviewed, which is hundreds, a lot of them have these like tough stories. Life wasn't easy growing up. And I think it sets the tone for the rest of your book as well. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, in my first book, Ask More, Get More, the first line I say is, 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 is uh, I say, thank God I was born poor, you know, and, and it's interesting, right? So in the, the human dynamics, right, you're either going to go one way or the other. And, you know, the saying is, by the grace of God, go I. 
And so, you know, I grew up in a in a difficult situation. You know, I grew up by surrounded by crime, drugs, violence. I grew up in the in the projects, and you know, my mother's HIV positive. My stepfather died of AIDS. My father was addicted to coke. One of my brothers passed away recently of an overdose. Another brother did two years in prison. Kid, I, you know, played with every single day. Is in jail for life for murder. I wasn't the best kid. I used to fight all the time and do some petty things. And and you know, so I was kind of going down the wrong path as as a as a young child. Um, but 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 I changed. Like something happened in my my life and, and and you know all those people that I mentioned a lot of them are still either caught up in in in, in this world or dead and, and so a lot of people have asked me, they said, you know, Mike, what makes you so different? Like, what have you done in your life? You know, you, when you, you know, one of the things I talk about when you look at the DNA of myself and, and we look at the DNA of family members and people that I grew up with, there are two things that we don't have, okay? The first thing we don't have is a success gene. It doesn't exist. It's not, a, it's, it's not an actual genetic makeup, okay? There's nothing in our code that inherently makes us su- successful. And there's also nothing, nothing inherently in our genetic makeup and our genetic code that makes us inherently a failure or someone who's going to, you know, essentially just have a, a miserable life, right? And so, so I, when I realized that we're all the same and started to think about what I've done that's different throughout my life, it really, it comes down to just thinking a little bit differently. And then it, t- it kind of ties into my first book, Ask More, Get More, where I decided I was just going to ask for more out of myself, right? I was going to ask for more out of others. And then I decided I was ultimately going to ask for more out of life. And once I did that, and it happened probably when I was about 14 or 15 years old and I had, you know, a few different, you know, the call them aha moments or whatever you want to call them. But, you know, unfortunately so many people have those same moments and they don't recognize it. And I was able to recognize some of the things that had happened to me early on in my life and say, man, I don't want to be that kid anymore. I don't want to be that guy that, you know, that's, you know, 40, 50 years old, that's in and out of prison, that's, you know, barely making ends meet, that's, you know, hooked on drugs, that's, you know, doing all the wrong things. I just didn't want to, I didn't want to be that person because I looked into the future and I didn't see a good thing. And so I started to make changes at a very young age. And, you know, it's interesting too, because, you know, I, when you know my brother who passed away, his, brother, his name is Dominic, right? And people, you know, he 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 just had, you know, he was just hooked, man, right? And so, and I yeah. would talk to him all the time, and people say, you know, Mike, you got to, you know, you have to talk to him, you have to, you have to get through to him, or others, you know, I've spoke to, you know, at, at um, you know local juvenile centers, and I've talked to kids that are just, no matter what you say to them, it's just, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, as far as when things go wrong, right? And so, and that's really sad. But but when you think about it, when you think about life, and when you and you've interviewed hundreds of people, and you think about successful people, and you think about entrepreneurs like myself, there is a moment in your life where you have to realize that it's only up to you. And when you can realize that, and you stop blaming others for your situation, you stop blaming your mother, your brother, your you know your 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 environment. People love to do that. They love blaming their environment, or you blame a particular situation. You just blame everybody else. Right. For where you're at in life, and you start to take ownership of where you're at in life and figure things out, change the way you think, change the way you, you know, look at life, change your perspective, and change some of the things that you're doing, your life does change. It doesn't happen yeah. overnight, but it does change. Right, and I, and I echo this with you, all of it. You know, I, I go back to the days of Norman Vincent Peale and Zig Ziglar and all these guys, yeah. and there was always one statement, you know, because I started listening to them young in life pretty much like you have a, a similar story, but maybe not quite as traumatic as losing a brother to that, but lots of challenges. And I would always listen. I'd been in the car and that was a day in cassette tapes, right? 
And these yeah. guys would say, you're always 100% responsible for your own actions, right? And it just drilled into my head that, you know what? If I'm going to get out of this, I'm the only one that's going to help me get out. And nobody owes me shit. Right. Nobody owes me anything, right? Nope. So that's what I like about you. You're the kind of guy that goes, look, I got to do this. Nobody owes it to me. And I see people that go, oh, you owe me this. Nobody owes you crap, buddy. Just nope. get, get going. So you tell your successes and failures in the books. And one of them is this challenging venture you had with Zeus Juice. Um, yeah. You know, it's this uh, story of the frozen pop company with the alcohol. I mean, I was reading, I was like, holy crap, this guy, in a, a, you know, a $250,000 machine in this warehouse and all this stuff. Tell us a little bit about that because yeah. that sounds like it was quite a challenge for you. Well, it was a fun story. I want to tell you that story, but I just want to hit on one, the one thing you said. It was really subtle what you talked about. You talked about when you were in the car and you right. were listening to stuff, Norman Vincent Peale, Zig Ziglar, okay? And, yeah. I, and I've had an opportunity to, to spend some time with Zig Ziglar before he passed, and, 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 and you've heard him say this before. His secretary, right? She had her PhD from Automobile University, right? And what that means is that she was listening to tapes. She was listening to Norman Vincent Peale. She was listening you know, to Earl Nightingale and all these other people early on. And she, right. when she would drive back and forth every single day, it would take her half an hour every single day, up and back, up and back. This is what she, this is what she was doing. And it's interesting that you say that because, um, you know, when you are traveling back and forth to work, there are a lot of people that hate their commute and God, you know, thank God I don't have to drive back and forth, you know, to work every single day. But if you are, it is such a great opportunity, especially even to, you know, to listen to like, you know, your podcast or other podcasts, you know, the way technology is right now, it is a great opportunity to, to get better. Right. And so I just wanted to just, you know, kind of, you know, really kind of oh, drive no, it home. Your, your car is a university on wheel. And today's, you know, you just plug in your cell phone, hook up the Bluetooth and all these podcasts and you and I do, people have access to this stuff right. on the go anytime. You know, there's no reason not to. Um, and I think what happens is you just have to get in a new habit, right? You're right. going to learn something from what Michael and Greg talk about today, no matter what, even if it's one thing you take away from this half hour podcast, listen to it. Right? Yeah. And it, you're right. And that's, and, and it's such a, you know, I'm going to tell the Zushu story, but again, I just, you, know, you talk about when you mentioned Norman Vincent Peale, like I didn't read the power of positive thinking until about last year. I mean, I knew who he was and I've read a million books that are in that kind of genre. Right. Yeah, that and, one, and that's, so, uh, that's um, Hill. Uh, you're no, talking the power of positive Napoleon thinking Hill. is Norman Vincent Peale. Uh, Napoleon yeah. Hill wrote, you know, think and grow rich in the law of success. Right. Right, you know, right, right. And Don Green, actually, believe it or not, is one of my best friends. He's the director of the thing. I've done like 10 podcasts with him. Amazing foundation for all those of you listening. Anybody who's out there listening today, look, go to naphill.org. Yeah. You, you, you can't have a better university than Napoleon Hill. Norman Vincent Peale, a little tougher to kind of get stuff out of anymore, but it's out there. Just if you find it, these are two great mentors of mine and i'm sure of yours as well right yeah i mean you know the the, the law of success you know, some people read the Bible every day. I have the law of success on my desk and I go through that. I just open it up and I just read certain things, you know, in that. Now, I wouldn't recommend the law of success to someone who, who has never read a, you know, a self-help, you know, type book because, it, you know, there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot in there, okay? It, yeah, it, there in my opinion, it's really kind of the foundation and the beginnings of all success self-help type books. Um, but it's a great, you know, a lot of people like to start with maybe Think and Grow Rich, which is kind of a watered down version of the law of success. But yeah, the Napoleon Hill Foundation is amazing. I'll tell you a quick story. So, um, uh, uh, I don't know, probably 15 years ago, um, I was a part of a, a three people um, that purchased 
the only known, still to this day, the only known advanced reader's copy of The Law of Success. In fact, it was, it's so rare that the Napoleon Hill Foundation had heard of them, but they had never seen them. And so we, you know, uh, and it's it's pretty amazing. So it, it was actually it, it was um, leather bound in 15 lessons because the law of success is 16 lessons. It was wow. actually in 15 lessons at the time. It was uh, it was uh, Napoleon Hill signed it and gave it to a gentleman in Ohio, and we did all this research. And Napoleon Hill was actually in Ohio at that time. It's pretty wild, but yeah, great book. Do you, um, do you still own it? Yeah, yeah. So but I have a small uh, like stake in it, you know. So I okay. didn't I didn't put yeah. Um, yeah and you, you know, I'll tell you. So what happened was with that is. Um, one of the majority kind of the guys that actually own most of it because it fell outside of uh, copyright protection, right? Because, you know, you're you're only talking about 100 years, uh, 99 years. um, uh, He reprinted it in its original form. You know, okay. so a lot, a lot of the, a lot of the law success books that are out there that people have reprinted. I know through, through talking to the the Napoleon Hill Foundation years ago that they've had a lot of issues with copyright protection and stuff like that. But, um, you know, a lot of them there are, are they're, they're adding stuff in there that wasn't really there. We actually reprinted it in its an original format, and it was just uh, uh, it was awesome. Really cool. So tell us the Zeus juice story. Sure. Yeah. You know, so I was like, you know, it's a classic story. I'm in college, my senior year in college, and you know, when I when I um uh, when I, I went to Springfield College, I got recruited to play football there, and and uh you know when I when I uh finally accepted by the, by the time I had accepted, they actually essentially kind of said, well. You know, um, we want you to play football here, uh, and we're recruiting you. And by the way, I got a I got an, an academic scholarship, which is bizarre because I graduated with a C minus GPA in my in my class, but I got it because of football. But long story short, they said we still want you to play here, but we need you to walk on. It was a Division two school at the time, right? So I walked on, and we were in a separate locker room from the rest of the team. We called it the prison team because we were literally about I don't know a quarter of a mile away from, and that's not an exaggeration, from the actual practice field. So every day we would walk from there in our uniforms to the actual practice field. We were just treated like second-class citizens. And, and, and so I used to, used to, we used to eat freeze pops all the time, back and forth for four years. Uh-huh. My senior year, uh, you, know, it's, you know, we're seniors, or we're older, we're having fun. It's the last week. And we started, um, we started chasing freeze pops with, with vodka. <laughs> and, oh. and, and that night, I said, man, I wonder, I wonder what it would be like. I wonder if I could actually get this to freeze. And everybody says, well, alcohol doesn't freeze. And, right. you know, look, you know, I'm not going to argue with you, chemists. I, I can show you that, that, that I can get it to freeze. The alcohol itself, the molecule of alcohol doesn't freeze. But anyway, so I created this product called Zeus Juice. Freeze <laughs> pops with booze in them. 8.2% alcohol and they froze solid, you know, and they, and they were amazing. And it was like, I didn't want to see, here's the thing is I didn't want to be that guy. And I'm still always to be like this. I didn't want to be that guy that looked, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now, sitting on my front porch saying with the, if I had a only syndrome, right. If I had only done that, this is what my life would be like. So I took a, I took a shot. I launched this business. I had no money. I, I didn't know. I didn't know anything about the liquor business. Um, I didn't. I didn't know rules, regulations, state, federal, none of that stuff. But I figured it out. And this is early in, like early in the in the late '90s. So the internet really wasn't as you know a great resource as it as it is today. But it still helped me out a lot to try and figure out. Launched the business. I was doing pretty fairly well with it. But I was also in law school, and I had this machine, like you mentioned, this two hundred fifty thousand dollars machine. Uh, uh, in, in Nantucket, and they were the only—they were the only—it was the only distillery in the country that would touch this product. Because if you think about it, controversial freeze pop, booze in it. I get right. it. You know, people worry about kids and all that other stuff. Right. These guys made it for me, um, but I had a, um, a 
a malfunction on the machine, and I didn't realize it. And the malfunction was is these things were liquid, right? And so every single one that was coming off the machine, we didn't know it right then and there, had a microscopic leak in it. And so mm-hmm. when I started delivering these, because we delivered to them unfrozen, people brought them home and frozen. When I st- started delivering them, I didn't know it until a few days later when, when a liquor store would call me up and say, hey, look, you've got to come pick these things up. They're leaking all over the floor. The, the cases have collapsed, and it was – it was a nightmare, you know, mm-hmm. and, 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 I, and I talk about in Blueprint the Business what I did uh, to overcome that, right? And, right. and, and the thing and what, what my day was like and, you know, every single day and, you know, you know, people always talk about having a plan B and all these other things, in, in, you know, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, whether you should have one, whether you shouldn't. I think you should always be prepared. I think you should always have a backup plan, right? Um, and plan B and a backup plan, I think, are two different things, but, but ultimately – that business, I needed to make a decision. I was either going to finish law school or I was going to go all in on this business. I was in my last year in law school, and I decided that I'm going to shut this thing down. I ultimately had to declare bankruptcy. I declared bankruptcy with a 770 credit score because I knew that I wasn't going to be able to pay off the debts that I had, that I had accumulated as a result of the business. Declare bankruptcy. In fact, before I declared, I called the bar association because I didn't know if that would, you know, preclude me from actually becoming admitted into the bar. And by the way, they right. ask that, they ask that specific question. I'm sure and, they and do. On, on the application, so it was a, it was a, it was a tough decision. I made the decision. It was the right decision. Um, I relaunched that business years later. Did pretty well with it. Got picked up by a big distributor. We were in 13 states automatically. We're having a lot of fun. Um, but ultimately, again, and I talk about the, this in Blueprint to Business. Look, I've, I, I was in love with that business. Right. So much so that I was blinded. Right? I wasn't listening to people. I wasn't paying attention to other businesses that were in that same world. I wasn't listening to you know, successful business people that I, that, I, that, that, you know, that I was friends with that said, Mike, you know, these, these are the things you should look at. And I just wasn't really paying attention. And so when I was so, I was so in love with it, I was blinded by real, the realities of, of, of that, you know, that business. And ultimately, again, I'm out of it. But here's an interesting thing. Well, I think that there is something about an entrepreneur. Sometimes we get so singularly focused, right? We we certainly can chase shiny objects because we're great at that. And look, you have a history of chasing lots of shiny objects, just like me. I not only went bankrupt, but I lost a house in the process too. So yeah. I went through a short sale uh, I, and that. So I, I feel the pain, but the reality is, you know, people around you, and this goes to this, this next thing, uh, people around you can be talking to you. They can be telling you things, but entrepreneurs are the kind of people that never give up. You know, I say, you're not going to give up. You're going to make something happen. And the reality is they say pride goeth before the fall. Well, my attorney was telling me, dude, you're spending all your money to chase after paying all these bills. You might as well just uh, uh, file bankruptcy now. And I said, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. Right. So instead what I did is I went through all of my cash and got to the point where I had to do it. Right. It wasn't like an option. So that's the difference. And, you know, you talk in chapter three of your book about business basics. What is it that people need to know about filing, documentation, starting business, trademarks, patents? Uh, you know, I've been through it all, and I'm sure you have too. What advice do you give them? Because you say, hey, look, you do need an attorney for this, but you don't need an attorney for the other, and you are an attorney. Uh, right. So, you know, give, give them a little background, because really this roadmap through making a great business plan filing the right documentation for your businesses, whether it's everything from your DBA to your LLC to whatever it's going to be, all the way into getting your patents and trademarks. What little bit of comment do you have here? Because I've got a lot more questions I want to get to. 
Yeah, you know, so so as someone who owns multiple businesses, uh, you know, I've owned businesses, you know, the Zeus Juice business, I, I wasn't an attorney. I did most of it myself in the beginning. Um, but, you know, I did have to hire lawyers to help me get this product approved. So there's, you know, there is definitely a, a, a great value in, in, in sound legal advice. But I think right. a lot of people have the misconception that it's going to be super expensive and the, and, and it's not, it's that what, what becomes super expensive is if you don't do the right things right. in the very beginning, that's right. what becomes very expensive. And yeah. so, you know, basic things like, you know, for instance, like a copyright. Okay. People I, I've heard like what we'll call jailhouse lawyers give you like the craziest copyright advice. You've probably heard this one's like, Hey, if you, if you create something, you put it in the mail and you mail it to yourself, therefore it's protected. No, that's not true. You know? So, so there are certain things that you can do, you know, with a copyright um, that can protect you. Now, as soon as you create something and you put it in the stream of commerce and it's actually out there, there are certain levels of what we call common law protection as it relates to copyrights. But in order for you to actually fully protect yourself with a copyright, you file a one-page document. It's 35 bucks. You file it with, with, um, you know, with, li- with the Library of Congress. You get a, little bit of, get a little thing back that says that you are, in fact, the rightful owner of that copyright. And that relates to music. That relates to even to websites. That relates, to obviously, to books. And it's 35 bucks, and it can save you okay and so that that that's you know as far as a copyright is concerned that's when you a talk great about tip. right i mean it's it's so basic yeah. and then like for yeah. instance trademarks okay here's another thing about trademarks about about uh here's a thing about trademarks um the united states patent and trademark office is probably one of the best government agencies i've ever dealt with and i'll tell you why because um when, in order to, when you file a trademark, things change, change over the years. You can file a trademark for $275 or $325, depending on how you do it. And you can, right. file, it be, you can file it before um, you actually use it, and you can what, – what's what, what they call an intent to use. Right. Or you can file it as you're using it. Okay? Um, you can do it yourself. Okay, you don't need a lawyer to do it. You can spend a little bit of time and, and just, just research. You get right on their website. They give you all the information. Now, here's the thing that I like about them. And by the way, we make these same mistakes as lawyers. If you make a mistake with the United States Patent and Trademark Office, for the most part, and I filed hundreds of trademarks, um, they'll call you or they'll email you and say, hey, oh, yeah. you know, you made a mistake here. This is how you should do it. Do you want us to change it? Right? Yeah, and they're really yes. good. Right? And so you dealt with them. So you, so you know. But, but, but the trademark itself is such a valuable asset, you know, and I briefly talked about, you know, I mean, Apple had to settle a huge lawsuit because it was a company in, in, uh, in, in uh, China, I believe, that also had the same name, Apple, you know, and so there are a lot of different things that people, you know, need to really pay attention to. You know, Coca-Cola's most valuable asset is not their formula, as far as I'm concerned, because you can easily knock that off now. It's their trademark. It's the, it's the trade dress. It's the words Coca-Cola, right? Yeah. And trademarks, by the way, you can protect forever, as long yeah. as you, as long as you follow the the right procedures. Now, copyrights. You and I talked about, you know, with Napoleon Hill. Copyrights are good for only a hundred years. Well, that's plenty of time, you know. Yeah. So, so there are basic things like that that drive me crazy um, that people just don't do because you know what? It seems intimidating. It's like it's you know when I think about real estate, I start my start to gloss over, even though you know I just like it's very very archaic. It's very confusing. But this stuff is not that difficult to do. When you said DBAs, right, and also you know or people, um, you know people are sole proprietors. Okay, that to me is the most asinine thing in the world. You can file what they call a single member LLC. Okay, years ago you couldn't. Years ago you had to have two. But now in every state in the union you can have one. So you just file this 
it's a one-page piece of paper. Usually with the, in the state of Delaware, I tell people to do it there because that's where, the, that, that's where most of the, of the laws and a lot of the legislation um, came out of the, uh, where the LLC was essentially created. So you file it there. It's 140 bucks. You do it. You get it back in like less than 48 hours. You know, and then you go through certain things. You can open up bank accounts. You can do those. Not that difficult to do. Now you're a business, right? Yeah. Then you operate. Okay, if you're a plumber, if you're a carpenter, if you're, you know, if you're a handyman, if you're a hairdresser, that's another one. These these hairdressers and and you know they they own, they have chairs, right? They rent chairs at a, um, at a at a barber shop and they just operate as a sole proprietor. Well, look, things can go wrong in any business. If you were a an actual LLC, you know, limited liability company, you do have certain levels of protection. So you file this one page document. Now you're a real business. Now you have certain levels of protection. And I don't even really talk about the tax benefits, but then there's huge tax benefits as well. Spend 140 bucks and do it to protect oh, yourself. You're so right. I mean, you know, yeah. I own 501c3. Yep. I have a, a DBA underneath that. I have an LLC. I have a sub S. The point is, is you got to know this stuff. And I think the key about entrepreneurs is spend the time with an attorney or an experienced counselor or somebody to understand about this. It isn't confusing. It is, it's easy, like Michael said. Now, I'm going to shift gears because one of my favorite, favorite guys of all time who I've actually met uh, is now deceased. You quote in the book, and it sounds like he's maybe one of your favorites too, and it's Leo Biscalia. And he has a quote in the book, and you actually almost dedicate like the whole chapter. So to know and not to do is not to know. Um, why do you believe that this particular quote from Leo Biscaglia, uh, you picked up on, and you believe it's so important for entrepreneurs. Well, I think it's so important not only for entrepreneurs. I think it's so important for everybody. You know, because you know, to know and don't know, to know and not to do is not to know. Basically, what we're saying is, is like, look, you know, if you have an idea, okay, if you have, um, you know, a vision, if you want to do something and then you don't do it. Right. Then it's like as if you don't really know it, and so and, and it's it, it sounds it's somewhat you know esoteric, but not really. You know, it's like you know I had um, Marshall Goldsmith on my podcast. He's like you know he's written like six books on the. He did the foreword to my book. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you know Marshall, right? My book, so, by the way, I'm going to send it. Get your address and send you my new book. So. Yeah, I'd love to read it, man. I love yeah. to read it. And so, so he, you know, he he says he says look. It was a study that was done, and they looked at, and they brought, you know, they had a bunch of people that, you know, uh, you know, there were people like octogenarians, as I say, they're in their 80s or whatever, um, and, and you know, they were interviewing them about their life, and they asked them a lot of questions. They were asking them about regret, you know, and, and one of the things that he says was, look, older people, they didn't regret the risks that they took and failed. Right. They did regret the risks that they failed to take. And right. so that's kind of it, it's kind of like the same thing. And whether it's in business or whether it's in your personal life, if you don't do it, then you really don't know it. And so, but you also really don't know what's going to happen. And that's another big part of it. Like, don't you know? I was just talking about this today. Everyone's afraid of no, right? And and and, and people don't like no. And and people tell you well that they like no's because they say, well, I'm so much closer to a yes. That's bullshit. Nobody likes no's. Okay. But here's the thing: you have to condition yourself to recognize that you're going to be told no and then understand to be able to overcome that. And so what happens is that so many people are, are, are um, paralyzed by the fact that they're going to be told no or they're going to get the wrong answer or they're just not and – it, and it's not a good feeling. So they avoid that feeling by not asking or doing anything at all. 
And then now you're 50 years old, 60 years old, and you're sitting on your front porch with, again, what I, what I call is if I had a only syndrome. And you see it all the time. You know, my, my, you know, my own family members that are older would say, you know, man, if I had only done this, my life would be so much better. And I'm just like, I'm like, I'm like, so why I'm tired didn't of hearing you? that. So you ought to I'm say. tired of hearing it. <laughs> why didn't you? And that, right. you know, that kind of brings me to this, this question. Um, you're a big fan of Zig Ziglar's. You've already stated that. And you state yeah. in one of your chapters that you've never failed. And I'm, right. I'm with you on that, man. All of these things I've been through, the bankruptcy and loss of the house and building up businesses and software businesses and all kinds of different businesses. And, and you know, you say, I want you to tell our listeners out there how you would help those listeners reframe their failures into learning experiences um, from one of a failure and how you personally did that. Yeah, you know, again, I think I, I think it really started for me in uh, in my late twenties when I realized I read The Magic of Thinking Big. That uh-huh. was the first kind of book that I read in this genre, right? Elizabeth and Gilbert. What's that? Elizabeth Gilbert. Is no, by um, David uh, Schwartz. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking Gilbert. Yeah. Okay, yeah. She yeah. Wrote so The Magic of Thinking Big. Yeah. I, again, I I would recommend that book to everybody, whether you're eight years old or 80 years old. That's such a great book because it really kind of helped me kind of reframe the way I think. And then also I had an opportunity to, you know, you, you know, you read them, you know, I've read Zig Ziglar's books and, you know, see at the top is such a great book. I love it because you can just open it up anywhere and just really benefit from it. And then, you know, I've had opportunity. I went to the 59th anniversary of his 21st birthday. I actually did an infomercial with him. Um, and, uh, but, but I'll tell you about that infomercial. It didn't work. Okay. It didn't work with Zig Ziglar. You and I would think of, I, he's like a deity as far as I'm concerned. Right. Mm-hmm. And, 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 the, and the show didn't work. And I, and, and, and in this, in this business that I'm in right now, 95%, I say 99, it's probably more like 95% of the things that I do in the direct response world don't work every single day. Every single day I do something and it doesn't work. And by the way, again, we're all human, okay? And for those of you tell you that, for those people that are out there that say that it doesn't bother them, they're lying, okay? But, but we also understand that that's just the way it is. That's just life. You know, so every single day, one of the things I, I, spoke, to, I spoke at a school with a, with a bunch of at-risk kids, and I, and I flipped it around and I talked about success, right? If you start to look at success on a micro level and failures on a micro level, like, like every single day, when you get up in the morning, right? So that's the first thing. As far as I'm concerned, that's a success. You got, a, you got out of bed, okay? A lot of people don't even get out of bed, right? So you get out of bed, and then you do all the things that most, you know, productive citizens do. And I was talking to these kids, you know, you, you, you go to school, you make it there on time, you're in homeroom you actually pass in your homework you studied for your test you listened in class all these little things are called micro successes and then you can compound on them over time so when you start to think about that the same way as, as a, when, when people talk about failure right so let's say you don't get to school on time okay well okay well i don't consider that a failure zig ziglar taught both of us this we call them temporary defeats okay so you made a mistake you, 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 for whatever reason, you didn't get to school on time. For whatever reason, that business transaction didn't go through the way it should have gone through. What, it's not a failure. You know, when you talk about, you know, talk about us, right? Look, I, I didn't pass the bar exam. I, I, I declared bankruptcy. You know, I'm, I'm you know, d- divorced. You know, I have all these different things that people would say, man, this is, it, it's, it's a huge failure. 
and it's not. It's just it, they're, they're defeats, temporary defeats. Failure is fatal. It's the end. Talk about Zeus juice, right? That business, which, which ultimately caused me to declare bankruptcy, lose a ton of money. Um, there are so many other great things that happened as a result of that. And you know what? Maybe someday I will relaunch that. You and I talked before we got on. I also own a vodka now. I would not have been able to launch a vodka but for that very expensive experience that I, that I learned from with Zeus juice almost 15 years ago. So, so true. And, you know, I want my listeners to know, Michael, and you're just, I mean, God, I could be on with you for a long time. And I think we will do an add on to this uh, podcast, but you want to reach Michael, go to Michael-Alden, A-L-D-E-N.com. You know, he's got his podcasts. Uh, you can subscribe to his inner circle, um, related news articles, web articles. I mean, Michael's presence on the web is big. So again, www.michaelalden.com. You can find him on Instagram, Facebook at Michael Alden 2012, Twitter at Michael Alden 2012, Snapchat, Michael Alden 2012. But the point is, is that Michael is a doer. And I think more importantly, in the process, he's learned how to become as well. Um, I, I've kind of watched him over time uh, change. And one thing I would say is that when you have somebody that has this much experience at entrepreneurship, all you need to do is listen to some of his podcasts or just send him an email. I mean, he's saying, reach out, get his book, Blueprint to Business, uh, get some of his other books, right? Uh, Michael's got 5% more, ask more, get more as well. These are all the basics that you need to know um, if you're going out in the world of business and if you're just trying to live your life and create something better for yourself and your family and the people around you. So, Michael, with that, you going to leave any parting words with uh, with our listeners? That's it. Again, I, I just, you know, thanks for having me on again. The book, yeah, Blueprint to Business, it's available everywhere for pre-order right now. It's available on, you know, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble, Amazon.com. It's just under $15. It is the most honest book that I've ever written. And by the way, you don't have to be in business. You don't even have to want to start your own business to learn from this. I, I, I teach people, again, a lot of the things that I've done and a lot of the mistakes that I've made, but it doesn't necessarily re relate to business. When I think about a business, I think about your life. Your life is a business. And a lot of That's people right. make the mistake of not running it like a business so pick it up and, and yeah like you said i'm available it's, by the way it's, it's actually it's mike alden 2012 so just oh, mike alden 2012 michael? everywhere did yeah. i say michael uh michael. well one of these it says online michael hyphen alden i'll put links in the blog awesome. to all of this so when you when my listeners go in there all you got to do is click we'll put some links to um a couple of michael's youtube videos as well but the reality is michael's out there you're not going to have a hard time finding him uh, and, and if you want to get this book, like you said, go to Amazon, it's in an EPUB. Uh, is it a hardback too, as well, Michael? So right now, it's just, right now it's just in hardcover. It will be available digitally as well. Uh, but okay. right now it's just available in hardcover. Yep. Well, you're an awesome guy. I really appreciate you taking the time to be on Inside Personal you. Growth and tell your story because I think really your story is as important to inspire and motivate people as is all the other information that's in the book. So thanks, thanks again, Michael. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate it.